Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. In November of 2015, our guest was diagnosed with stage 3 rectal cancer, which is the growth of abnormal cancerous cells in the lower part of the colon. When you have stage 3, the probability of being alive in five years is approximately 30 to 40 percent. And when you get to stage 4, the likelihood of being alive in five years is less than 10 percent. And here to tell us her story of using cannabis oil is Janet McDonald from Alberta, Canada. Janet, how are you feeling prior to your diagnosis? Oh, um, prior to my diagnosis, I was actually having a lot of symptoms for a long time. But due to my age, no doctors were taking me seriously. Uh, even though I had a strong uh, colon cancer family history. How old were you, Janet? I was diagnosed at age 28. Actually, I just turned 29. So it was uh, my birthday's in October and I was diagnosed in November. But uh, I was basically, I had my baby and I had rectal bleeding and they just chalked it up to pregnancy hemorrhoids. And uh, all the doctors just kept telling me, oh, it's fine. It'll go away. It'll go away. You know, it's just normal. Lots of pregnant women have it. So by the time my son was one, it was still happening and my digestion was getting worse. And finally, I just got fed up because I asked my doctor again for a colonoscopy and she refused, saying she'd send me for one when I turned 30. And so that would have been a year, pretty much a year and a bit later. And so I uh, went and found a new doctor who immediately sent me for a colonoscopy, and I was diagnosed on the spot right during the colonoscopy. Gee, your other doctor is puzzling. I don't know what age has to do with it at all. I don't know either. <laughs> Honestly, it's colon cancer tends to be, statistically, I guess, happens in older adults. But, mm. uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, you're the second person, I think, Corey, that we've talked to who has had rectal cancer, the second woman who doctors have chalked it up to hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids, yeah, yeah. Through pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I w- that's what, that was my diagnosis, too. Was it? Yeah. They told me I had hemorrhoids. Oh. I didn't know any better, I thought. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's horrible. So you were diagnosed, and uh, what did they tell you after that? Uh, so basically... It was like, you need to see a surgeon right away. We're sending you to see an oncologist right away. So I seen the surgeon first, and I got the news that I probably would have an ileostomy bag because of how low my tumor was. So that was a big shock to me, and the fact that they wanted to remove about a foot of my colon. And then shortly after that, I seen the oncologist who wanted me to, before even doing surgery, he wanted me to take six weeks of radiation and oral chemo, followed by six months of chemo, 
and then surgery and then have my ileostomy bag for six months and then another surgery. That's what their plan was for me. Um, luckily it was like Christmas time. So I had a lot of like time to research and do my own research basically and go online and start talking to people and figuring out stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, because like they just don't work over the Christmas holidays. So I got like that kind of time to myself to really figure things out. Yeah. You got a bit of a reprieve, didn't you? Yeah. And so I decided I do, I wanted to just do the surgery first because I didn't, believe that I I didn't know they couldn't tell me for sure it was stage three or how far it progressed or anything and I really didn't want to do chemo so I thought I'll do the surgery first and then if if it's progressed we'll talk about the other options later and uh, the radiation as well I, I would not take because of the side effects there's no way I I just wasn't going to do that Janet, when you uh, were going through this period of having this bleeding and wanting a colonoscopy, and even when you're going, actually go for the colonoscopy, did you suspect you had cancer? I did. I It was in the back of my head. Mm. I was researching and, you know, I was convincing myself, maybe I have Crohn's disease or colitis. Like, I knew it wasn't hemorrhoids. I knew I had a serious disease. But of course, nobody wants to admit that they have cancer or even go down that rabbit hole, right? So I kept it in the back of my, it was in the back of my mind, but I really tried to ignore it. So when the doctor told you that you did have cancer and you have a a one-year-old, I believe, correct? Yeah, I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old at the time. One-year-old and a three-year-old. Yeah. That must have hit you like a ton of bricks. Oh, it did. All I could see was their faces, and I was just, I was just crying. I thought I was going to die. It was like, it was awful. I, yeah, that's all I could think of was them and losing their mom and all that stuff. It was a really hard time for sure. Reminds me of one of those scenes in a movie where someone tells the the other actor something, and then the, you just see the person's mouth moving. But you can't you can't hear what the other person is saying because yeah. it's so traumatic what they've told you. Yeah, and it was, and like they actually had my husband come. They wouldn't tell me anything until he came back, and they took us into a private office, and and then they wanted me to go for X rays right away for my chest. And we we're in the hospital where I got my colonoscopy done, and I was just bawling <laughs> like hysterical as I'm getting these X rays done. And then we had to come home, and I had to face my kids and my mother-in-law and tell them and call my mom. It was it was tough, for sure. Did they put pressure on you, family and friends, to have the chemo? Um, some of them did. Some of them did, for sure. Like, my father-in-law had just recovered from throat cancer, and he just told me to trust the doctors, and they would take care of me, and all would be okay. Um, but then like, I've never really trusted the medical system and I have a lot of, um, knowledge about things. And so I didn't feel comfortable just blindly trusting my doctors because obviously I, you know, they didn't diagnose me and I had a lot of (laughs) anger against them for that as well. But, uh, yeah, I, my husband, you know, at times he's really supportive of me doing the natural stuff, but then at times he wasn't. It was, 
It was a balancing act for sure. Did, My parents always were, though. Did very, they go ahead and do the surgery? You know, you, we're talking about in December. You had time to research, and you yeah. decided you just wanted to have the surgery for starters. Were they agreeable to that? Yeah, they were. Uh, like the doctor, the radiologist was really rude to me. It was funny. He told me basically, um, we all radiate this area, and. Um, It'll give you a 5% chance that the cancer won't return in that area, like my lower area. But for every year you live, you'll have a 1% chance that your cancer will grow, or you'll, sorry, you'll have a reoccurrence of cancer just from the radiation. So I did the math, and I'm thinking, okay, so by the time I'm 50, I'm going to have a 20% chance I could get cancer just from taking this radiation, only to prevent a 5% chance that it won't reoccur in this area. Mm-hmm. And plus the, you know, I would have been put into menopause. They said it would have basically fused everything shut. Like it just wasn't something a 29 year old wanted to live with. Well, I can't got to tell you, nor does a 60 year old. Yeah, I don't think anybody does, right? <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. Um, yeah. How did you stumble upon oil? Well, I'm like, I grew up in BC, so I'm pretty liberal in that stuff. And I've kind of heard about it here and there, you know, the Rick Simpson thing, but I never really knew much about it. So as I started researching, I started looking into Rick Simpson and read his story and then started getting online and reading people's stories like yours and tons of Facebook groups and stuff like that. And um, so we did my first batch of oil. We started right after my surgery um, in February But I had a really hard time getting my dose up. I didn't seem to ever get past, like, I don't know, a tenth of gram or something. I would just make me so tired and lethargic, and I just couldn't, and I was very dizzy all the time. I I don't know. Like, I had the ileostomy bag, and I was very malnutrition. What's the word? Malnourished. Malnourished. Yeah, malnourished from it. Like, I wasn't absorbing uh, enough nutrients. And I'm not sure if that played into the absorption of the oil at all, but um, I never really got serious about taking it. I did all my other's protocols. I took a ton of supplements. I ate very well, did all those things, but uh, I never took enough, I don't think, at that time anyways. Jennifer, those people who are unfamiliar with an ileostomy bag, can you tell us what it is? So basically, because they had to take a foot of my colon off Mm -hmm. out of my body they had to connect my rectum back to the colon and that part had to heal so they diverted my small intestine out of my stomach so all the waste material would come out into a bag and so i had to wear that bag on my stomach for six months before i had a procedure to reverse that and that was not the best time of my life, let me tell you. No, but no that can't be very level. No, that can't be very pleasant at all. No, no, it was pretty rough. Um, so I had this surgery in July to reverse it, and then I also went for a CT scan around the same time, and they had found that I had a small spot on my liver, and so they wanted to kind of check up on that. So I waited till October, and they checked up on it, and then it had grown. And that's when they said you're stage four and all that, and it had metastasized. So it metastasized to your liver, and you had uh, liver cancer then. Is that correct? 
Yeah, well, it would be like stage four rectal cancer with yeah. metastasis to the liver, yeah. It's starting to spread. Yeah. So what did you do next? So at that point, it was a pretty big crossroads for me. Um, like I had actually tried chemo back in the fall, in the spring right after my initial surgery, and I, I couldn't take it. I took two rounds. It made me incredibly sick, and my intuition was just like, no, if you take one more round, you will die. So I quit that. So this time, you know, he said, you can do surgery and chemo and this and that. Um, so I went to see the surgeon and he, he was pretty hopeful. He said the surgery was a 50, 50, like because of where my cancer had spread, it was a really easy, like they could get really clean margins and they had pretty high hopes for the surgery. So I decided to go for the surgery. Before I even went though, I started taking my oil like serious. I started to up my dose and I got to a gram a day. Is this when you and I talked? Yeah, it was shortly after you and I talked. Um, Because I think I I talked to you when I was pretty lost and I wasn't sure what to do. Back before that, I had been taking the oil, like not enough. And a lot of advice from people were, you know, online and stuff was like, find the right dose, this and that. And so I was confused on what I should take. So this time around, I just said, you know what, the people who are curing themselves seem to be all at that gram a day. So I just went for it. It wasn't easy, but my mom came out and she took care of my kids and I basically just slept for months and months. Yeah, I think if I recall correctly, we talked about doing suppositories as well. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly what I did. I did okay. half a gram at bedtime and half in my suppository during the day. So when you took the suppositories, was that more beneficial to you in terms of how you felt? You didn't feel as tired and logy? And- yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I didn't feel the effects the same. Like, it didn't get me that high feeling. It didn't make me feel tired. It didn't really do anything like that at all. It allows you to function. Yeah, doing it, it does. Doing yeah. it rectally. And this is what I always tell my young, young moms or people who need to be on their game. Do rectal in the daytime orally at night you sleep through it yeah and even though i take like my half gram at night when i first started doing that i would sleep i would take it at 9 p.m and i would literally sleep till one in the afternoon that's how much it would knock me out yes yeah Yeah. but over time i got adjusted and i found being on the high dose i adjusted quite quickly compared to trying to up my dose at a very small dose like over months and yeah. months. Yeah. yeah. And o- often that happens like that. People just take yeah. the plunge and start doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I also found, too, I started smoking in the evenings. And I think that also helped my tolerance. I had someone recommend that. So I just started vaping my a little bit of dried her- marijuana in the evening. And I found that my tolerance really, really went up as well. So you were you took the uh, how many grams in total did you take over the period? Well, I think it was just over it was like 120ish. I think I took about 20 before my surgery and then about 100 right after. Wow. So often, you know, Ian's kind of looking at me a little quizzically here, but um often just for listeners um who might not be aware of this, when you've had chemo or radiation, we find generally that people tend to need more cannabis oil. 
Oh, okay. So often, instead of 60 grams, we suggest 120, mm-hmm. 120 grams. And in this case, it was 180, although, you know, Janet hadn't had a lot of chemo, but... But the chemo, you just didn't react well to the chemo at all, did you, Janet? No, I didn't. I was, like, wasting away. I was blacking out. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. It just was not good. You were blacking out from the chemo? I was, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, getting so dizzy. I couldn't stand up without blacking out. I was passing out. It was not a good scene. And I just knew, like, my body was just so weak at that point that if I continued on, it would just have killed me. And I believe that most cancer patients actually die of the treatment anyway. Yes. When you decided after two rounds of chemo that you weren't going to take it anymore, what did the doctors tell you? Oh, he was angry with me. He told me I wouldn't see my children grow up. He told me that if my cancer returned, I'd only have a year left. Just basically told me I was stupid and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when they offered you that chemo, they were they were calling it palliative chemo. Palliative means this is just to maintain and well, try the, and keep you here. That one, the first round of chemo was wasn't quite palliative yet because at that point they figured I was still stage three. I yeah, no, I'm speaking about after the surgery. But yeah, this one, yeah, this 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 last time he offered it to me, but he he basically said to me, um, "We know how you reacted before, so it's up to you if you want to take it. It won't extend your life any, but it might slow down the progression of your disease." Which made no sense to me. Well, it might kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I felt like, okay, I'll take it and it could kill me faster than the disease. So, no. So, so instead, I did the, the oil. And then in March, you go and you have a scan. March of 2017? I um, was scheduled to go at the end of March for my kind of checkup, my see how things are going after the surgery kind of thing. And... Um, I was having some pain in my right side, or sorry, my left side, in kind of my bowel area. And I called my oncologist because I I seen a family doctor and he's like, go for an x-ray. And I thought that was kind of silly since I, you know, (laughs) had access to a lot better testing. So I called my oncologist and he got me in right away. He was really scared that it had returned and all this stuff. And I actually realized, like, afterwards, I think it was, like, a bowel obstruction or something because it passed. It was pretty sharp pain, but it passed. And um, I'm at risk of having them due to my surgery. And so I went for this CT scan, and when I went for my results, like, everything was clear. There was no evidence of disease anywhere in my body. The liver looks amazing. Everything looks good. Wow. What, what, were you expecting that result? I was, were you? personally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you just I, knew I, in I your feel, gut? Yeah, I did. I knew in my gut. Like, I don't have fear it's going to return now. Mm. I, I don't know. Whatever happened kind of to me when I was in the hospital and through all that, that oil, I just felt like, this is it. I'm done. I'm done with the disease. Mm, yeah. What did yeah. your what did your oncologist say when you get the scan that is uh, no evidence of disease? He like the look on his face was kind of like shock. 
because I'm sure <laughs> the way he explained before, the reason like my metastasis grew so fast was because I had had surgery and my, you know, the surgery so demanding on your body and everything. So after taking surgery that, you know, and not taking any treatment, I'm sure he assumed that it might have spread, right? Janet, did he know you were doing cannabis oil? You know, I, I don't talk to him about it because our first ever appointment, I started to bring up stuff and he said, I am a Western doctor. I don't believe in anything but Western medicine. So please don't talk to me about it. And here's that door closed in your face. Oh my God. Yeah. And he's Chinese. So I was like, really? Like you don't even have any like interest in all these, you know, other therapies, but no, no, no traditional Chinese medicine at all. No, nothing. Janet, are you on a maintenance dose of oil? I was. I'm in between getting some more dosing going, but uh, I was for a long time. I actually went down to like a quarter gram and then a quarter of that, and then I ran out. So right now I'm just taking a little bit of CBD oil, but I'm going to get back on my maintenance dose again. Yeah, here. you know, even Jan- Janet, Corey, when Corey <sighs> asks that question and people say, no, I'm not on a maintenance dose, uh, fire comes out of her eyes and her ears and smoke and she gets mad at you no i'm not mad i'm I'm just i don't want you getting sick again uh, i've seen this happen again and again when people stop taking the mm-hmm. oil the cancer yeah. returns so you know it's important to keep that cannabinoid level up in your system you know yeah. even if you're doing like the size of a grain of rice at night with that's doable i do about two to three so yeah. you know the grain of two to three the size of blah yeah. two to three, three grains, grains of rice a night every single day i have not missed a day in yeah years. and it's funny like i was planning on doing that but this the last batch for whatever reason i would take it and i'd get so nauseous from it and i'm not sure why it's really possible that it's not purged i mm. think it might have just been what we used had too much of the shake in it because we we're you know, after battling this for so long, I'm just like really financially <laughs> in ruins. Yeah, but, it's it's, uh, it's expensive. It's expensive, that's for sure. Maybe you you just have a sensitivity to this now. Who knows? You know, yeah, could, could could be a number of things. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Janet, when you said when you went for your scan that you knew you didn't have the cancer, what sort of mental attitude did you have going through this entire process? Uh, Well, I've always been optimistic and looking, you know, at solutions and what I can do and take like I feel empowered and I'm doing what I can to take care of myself. So, you know, I'm eating healthy. I'm working on myself. I meditate daily. I journal, I do all those things. Um, But it's funny, like last year, before my metastasis, I had such fear it was going to return. I just knew it was going to return. And I had it always in my head, always. And then this time around, I'm done. Like it doesn't, I have no fear. It's not in my head all the time. It's, It's a different feeling. That That is really fascinating because it was almost like you drew the cancer to you as a result of your mental attitude i i fully believe that and i believe that our thoughts create our reality and the more and more that we think about the negatives the more we bring to us yeah Yeah. what you put out there is what you get back sort of thing 
You know, if you're putting out that energy, all this energy around that, it becomes your reality. Yeah. And, you know, I, I listened to my doctor about the whole statistical thing, like, oh, you can't be a survivor till after five years and blah, 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 blah. blah. This time I call myself a survivor. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm a survivor. And that is the way I look at it. I don't listen to, you know, the medical system. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of it is they instill this fear in you that, oh, you ha- you know, it's going to take all these years. It could come back. If you just look forward and just, I don't know, it's just a mental thing, I think, and really look at it like I am a survivor. I'm done and live your life that way. Yeah. You don't really have anything to lose because really, if it does come back, you still have that attitude. You still, you still have that attitude and you still have the tools to co- combat it. Exactly. And you have the quality of life, right? Without the fear. Yes. Because that fear is like debilitating. The fear is debilitating. And when I'm uh, always on my soapbox about this, when people take control of their, the cancer instead of the cancer controlling the patient, that's when good things and change happens and miracles happen. Yeah, for sure. I totally believe that too. Your story very much reminds me of the woman we interviewed in the UK who refused to accept the fact that she was going to battle cancer or she was going to defeat cancer. Yeah, she was amazing. She just had a very positive attitude. She took this, wasn't chemo, Corey, what was it? Um, Immunotherapy. Immunotherapy. And she would actually talk to the liquid as it was going through her body. And when she went for her treatment, she she would dress up and she'd put on really nice clothes. Like she was going out for New Year's Eve or something. (laughs) She actually sent us a picture. Didn't she have like a sequin dress on or something? Yeah, she did, yeah. And she absolutely refused to accept the fact that uh, she had cancer and she cleared yeah. herself yeah and it was uh, what was it a brain tumor yeah it, it was a brain tumor wasn't it it, it was melanoma and uh, went to metastasize to her brain brain yeah. yeah so it was a pretty pretty nasty right up there with yours yeah yeah it was it, so it, it really goes to show you uh, you are a perfect example as is the woman in uh, the uk how mental attitude can really, really have a positive impact or a negative impact on your life, depending on how you view it. Plays a huge part. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. And I think, yeah, like I don't live in that fear anymore and I'm not, you know, afraid if I, you know, I eat something or do something that's not standard, can't, you know, the perfect cancer diet that I know I should be on. I'm not beating myself up. I'm not scared. I know that it's all going to be fine. And you're not make, it's not like you're doing this day in, day out. Yeah, exactly. Like, I take care of my body the best I can, but when I, you know, when I do mess up or I, you know, have a treat here and there, I'm not beating myself up and going, oh my God, my cancer is going to return. Where before, last year, I was kind of obsessed about my diet and what I was putting in my body and all those things to a point where if I did mess up, it was, oh my God, what's going to happen? <laughs> Yeah. So I think you have to get your headspace in that that way, right? Where you're, yes, we're doing everything we can do, but we're not perfect, and we can't always be perfect as well. So Janet, is it fair to say that you are today 100% clear of cancer? Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know if my doctor would... Like he would put that caveat in. Well, you know, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I believe that I am. I my scans were clear, my blood's clear, everything's clear. So I'm 100 percent on my path. 
How do you feel now compared to when just before you were diagnosed? I I feel like I I'm a whole new person, honestly. Like I have learned so many lessons in this. I've connected to myself in a different way. I've become more spiritual and more connected to that. I've just become more appreciative to life. Life isn't just kind of passing by me like I'm living life. And uh, I know people, like, I know it's kind of silly, but, like, I do look at it like it was sent to me so I could wake up and do something better with my life. I don't think that sounds silly at all. I don't think it does either. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's not It's not silly. I think what happens to, I mean, Cor- you and Corey are examples that um, I, I should ask this question. When you face possible death in a matter of months or even doctors give you years, it has to absolutely change your attitude toward life. Yeah, it does. Definitely does. Sure, it changes you. Absolutely. Yeah. All those things that you think are important in your life really become minuscule. And you look around at people that are wigging out over silly little things and you're just like, oh my God, seriously? Yeah. Pe- yeah, it, it definitely changes you. Pe- Absolutely. People are stuck in traffic and they, they complain about that or their cell phone doesn't work and they bitch about that. I guess I'm I'm one of those. So I'll, st- I'll stop doing stop that. Stop it right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Janet, uh, do you communicate with others who have a similar issue to you or have cancer? Yeah, I do. I talk to lots of people all the time, and I'm always in the groups trying to give encouragement and point people in the right direction and, you know, that type of thing. I've actually made quite a few good friends through this journey, just through other cancer survivors and people fighting their fight and all that stuff. It was wonderful to hear your story and the fact that you're clear of uh, cancer and uh, you'll live a long, fruitful life. Excellent. In spite, of, in spite of what the doctor said. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Janet, it was very good of you to do this and tell your story. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janet. Thank you, Corey. And thanks again for all the awesome advice. No problem. And that's it. Another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.